You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Let's stand together as we read God's word. We're going to be in verses 9 through 12. 9 through 12. This is what God's word says. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we pray that your word would change us this morning, that we would be affected and impacted by who you are, even more so than we already have. Thank you, God, for the time of singing where we can, we can express the, the great character that, uh, of who you are, that you are a big God, that you, are, that you are present with us, that you are near, that you are more than enough, always enough, that we are to be content in all circumstances, because you're with us. And that's why we are here. Help us to be changed by who you are, not by our idea of you, not by how we have created you, but by who you really are. Show us, teach us, help us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can have a seat. Uh, something, uh, something really interesting happened this last weekend. You know, um, not... This weekend, weekend before was uh, was football opening season, right? Everything was getting kicked off. <clears throat> College, what's that symbol? Is that like a tomahawk? Is that a, is that a FSU thing? We have a few Gators in here. Uh, <laughs> um, this has nothing to do with the Gators, but this does have to do with the University of Miami's opening game. Okay, the U, there we go. We got some U fans in here as well. Um, the U opened up their game against Appalachian State last weekend, and they played at the Hard Rock, uh, our, you know, Dolphin Stadium. <clears throat> Fins up. Okay, that's another. But something crazy happened during that game. It had nothing to do with the football players. It had nothing to do with the score. It had everything to do with something happening in the stands. And if you didn't get a chance to see it, I wanted to show you what happened on last Saturday. This video won the internet tonight. A cat that had made its way into the stadium during a University of Miami football game got caught on a wire hanging below the upper deck and fell. It was dangling by one paw. Thankfully, the fans below had unfurled an American flag and used it as a net. Fans cheered as they held the cat up in the air for everyone to see that it had survived. Hopefully it was, for their sake, declawed because it went a little wild in it. Never gets old, man. That thing is crazy, right? Like September 11th, opening day at Hard Rock Stadium. This cat, I, have, I mean, I have no idea how this cat even got there. Hanging on by a thread, a claw, and on September 11th comes falling. They catch him an American flag, hold him up like they just scored a touchdown. Like just only in Florida, man. Like. This is just, this is who we are. You got you to gotta love it. You got to love it. As I was, um, as I was thinking about our study, 
right now on prayer, we're in 21 days of prayer, and um, we're going through just four weeks of looking at prayer a little more in depth. And <laughs> I was thinking of this incident, and just besides it being funny, I, I found myself going like, I feel like that. I feel like that cat. Sometimes I feel like the cat, I mean, just hanging on for dear life by a claw, by a nail, by the just a hair, hanging over what seems like a giant chasm. And, you know, look, not, not to be like overly morose or depressive, but it's just we feel that way sometimes, don't we? Like, don't you sometimes just feel like you're just barely hanging on? Like this world is crazy, man. Life is crazy. We're just we're 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 living life with so much happening, so much being thrown at us, so much input and data, so much confusion, so much turmoil, so much of everything that I just know, right? Because I talk to you also, and I know you feel similarly for those that I do talk to, and I I see the things that we post online. I I I feel what we feel, and I just know that at times we just. We feel like we're, we're hanging on, man. And we're trying to figure out how to hold on. How do we live with this reality? How do we live like that? Like, like, what do we need to do? It, is it okay to feel like that like all the time? Is it okay to be, to be thinking along these lines? And, and I, I think that God... He doesn't want us living like this. He doesn't want us always feeling like this. He doesn't want us just hanging on by a thread, thinking at any minute we're going to fall and lose it all. And what's so interesting with that cat illustration is, you know, what could we see that the cat couldn't see? A crowd of people underneath him just going like, I got you. I got you. At least I think I got you. <laughs> and that's the reality I think that God wants us to live in. Yes, trusting him that, that he's going to catch us if we fall, that he's going to strengthen us to hang on, to hold on, to not lose it all. Like, yeah, that's, that's at the foundational level. But also, God wants us to live in the reality that where, where we are ready to catch one another when we fall. That we're ready. We see, like, oh, there's Joe hanging on. Hanging on by a thread. Let's get under him. Let's make sure that fall doesn't lead to anything catastrophic. Like, that's the reality that God wants to, for us to live in. And I'm going to tell you this, prayer does that. Prayer is a piece of that. Prayer is something that, that, that empowers us and, and strengthens us to live in that kind of reality. And I want us to see that. See, we're, we're talking about prayer for four weeks. And so often we're, you, you know, you're probably going like, Adam, there's so many passages about prayer. Why haven't you talked about this one? Why aren't we talking about this one? What about this passage of prayer? Yeah, there's a lot. And I, I want us, you know, we've talked about the, the 
the purpose in prayer and how God is near to us and that that nearness awakens us to prayer and prayer awakens us to his nearness and that the power of prayer comes to, to even turn our enemies into neighbors. That, yeah, it's easy to pray for people who, who, who like you and who are like you. And, and Jesus, yeah, you want to love people who love you back? Yeah, everyone does that. Even tax collectors and the worst in society do that. No, I want you to be different. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those who persecute you, right? And so there's power in prayer to turn the enemy into a neighbor. But see, that... that that necessitates people in your life, people around you that strengthens prayer. See, we need to learn how to pray, not just for ourselves, but for others. And so how do we, yes, God is near. And when God is near, that means we are near to one another. And we need people near us. We need nearness in our life for people around. We want people near. And prayer is fueled by having people around. <laughs> it is. It cre prayer creates the, the crowd holding the flag, like waiting to catch the falling cat. I mean, that's, prayer has the power to do that, to, to strengthen that, to build that. And so I want to use this section of Scripture to help us get excited, to help fuel a passion in us to pray for one another. And to also help us to learn what, what should those prayers look like? How should we pray for one another? How, do, how, how, can that, how can that grow in us so that it's clear when it's like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. What are we actually praying for? Because here's, I think, our problem, one of our problems. We've got lots of problems. But one of our problems is we just we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray as we should pray. And that's why we need to be connected to the truth of Scripture. We need to understand who God is, and we need to understand what he wants from us. And, and so today is just going to be that. It's going to be kind of in, in, enlarging our vision to just look around and be like, oh, man, there's people around me who need prayer. I don't just need to pray for myself. I need to pray for others. But what am I actually going to pray for? You see, this, this letter, right, we're taking one little chunk out of the, this letter to the Colossian church. There's a church in Colossae, and, and it was, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul, right? And if you don't know who Paul is, he wrote much of the New Testament. He was an apostle, which meant he was going out, starting churches. He was, he was plowing new territory ahead. And so he didn't start this church, but one of his disciples started the church in Colossae. And so, so Paul is writing this letter to encourage them. See, what had happened was truth was starting to become muddy. Teachers were coming into the church, and they were teaching bad things. They were teaching weird things. They were, they were confusing what it meant to follow Christ. They were confusing the truth about who Jesus was. And they started bringing in a bunch of rules, and they started bringing in some, some weird thinking that, that was starting to... to to mess up the church. And so Paul, as a father to these people, he wants to help them to get back on track. And, and one of the ways that he encourages them, it's right in the beginning, is to let them know how much he's been praying for them. 
Isn't it interesting? He's encouraging them, and he's not like, hey, if you guys don't shape up, I'm coming down there and crack some skulls. He says, he says this. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What? So first question is, okay, what did he hear? <laughs> Paul, what have you heard? Because there's a lot going on in this church, right? Did he hear that they were all jacked up in their theology? Did he hear that they were misusing, mistreating one another? Did he hear all the bad things that were happening about all these bad teachers? Is that what he heard? Actually, it's not what he heard. He tells us earlier, a couple of verses earlier in the, in the chapter, he says, this is what I heard. In verses 3 and 4, he says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of what? Of your faith in Christ and this one, and the love you have for all the saints. You're like, saints? It was like St. Mary, like St. Francis. Like, I've heard of saints before. Is that, it's like, no, no, no. Saints, just fancy word, biblical word for people, for all the people in the church for the people in their community, right? So for the love you've had and the faith you've had in Christ and the love that you've had for all the people. What fueled prayer for him? He says, since we heard, we have not stopped praying for you. Heard what? That you love people. People fueled Paul's prayer for them. Their love for one another fueled his prayer. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And that's the, that's the point today. Community, community life, it provokes prayer. It inspires prayer. It triggers prayer. It, whatever word you want to put in there to stir up that idea, that passion for prayer, community life, one another living is a spark. It's fuel for how we pray and why we pray, and what we pray. Prayer is stirred up in the context of community when other people are in your life. Why? Because it, it's here that you can see what's going on. Like, you look around, and you're like, oh, yeah, she's so messed up. Like, oh, he's a, he is a disaster. Like, I'm going to pray for you. I mean, it's a joke, but that, that's the reality, right? Like we look around and we go, man, we're not fooling anybody. Like we're all, we're all kind of a, a mess. Adam's a mess. Like, please pray for me. Pray for this mess. We're all cats, man, hanging on that, that wire going, Lord, I hope there's someone below <laughs> ready to catch. This is where we can, can look around and say, whoa, man, I better, I better pray because these people need help. And, and, what, and we look around and it brings out the best in us. It brings out the best in us to want the best for others. We want the best for one another. Too often, too often, people bring out the worst in us. Amen? Amen? People bring out the worst in us because sometimes people are just the worst. And so we, 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 we let others bring out the worst in us and we start, <laughs> we, we see people doing well and we hate them. 
We see people doing bad things in the world and, and we hate them. And we don't pray for them, or sometimes we pray for them, but it's, it's those prayers you see sometimes in the Psalms, right? Like where David, you know, like they're praying for destruction. Like, yeah, I'm praying for you, but you're not going to like it. I'm going to like what, if my prayer comes true, it's going to be hot for you. <laughs> Too often our prayers are they're not even prayers. They're just like we, we allow so much of what other people are doing to, to, to mess us up. And, and we talked about this last week with praying for our enemies. And that's the power of prayer. It turns enemies into neighbors. But, but look, I think part of the reason is we, we have lost what real community is. We don't understand community life. We just want a community that's going to be so easy and calm and, and, and simple and feeding all of our needs and our expectations. And if that community does and meet all those expectations, like, well, I'm just going to go to this community. They look more like me. They sound more like me. They vote more like me. So we're going we're gonna, to, this is better for me. And we just have churches and communities all over the place that just allow us to be consumers. And we've traded real community life for some virtual world of frustration and competition. So we're just competing with one another. Like, oh, you're, you know, Facebook makes you look like you're doing so great. Or Instagram or, or TikTok, whatever it is that you're, you just see people's lives. And you're like, do they have any problems at all? Yes. And we just, God wants us to understand what real community looks like. You know, th this room in and of itself, you look around, man, it's just different we, we are different, and that is so good. That's what we want. We need different. We need, I don't need more of me around. I need more of you. And we, we sing differently. We respond differently to music. We respond differently to, to different triggers in the world. And, and sometimes you just, you can't understand why someone is struggling so much with this one issue and how do we get into that mindset of going like, oh, okay, I may not understand you right now, but I can love you and pray for you and maybe seek to understand you a little bit more. And so this is how community is built and strengthened. See, if we just consistently keep moving around to find the group of people that, that is perfect or just like us, there's no growth that comes from that. We just sit and we're stale and stagnant and we get sloppy and faith becomes easy and it's never meant to be easy. So Paul is, he's seeing their love for one another, that they're in community. And look, there's this one church in that town. That's it. Like, there was nowhere else to go. There was no, not like we have here. He writes to them and says, look, I'm seeing how you love God and I'm seeing how you love each other. And I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for you. healthy community, a God-loving community. We should be passionate to pray for one another, to see the good and the bad in people around us and just pray. And so what? What should we be praying? What, what, what's the content of our prayers? If we're saying we want people to have the best 
right? We want to pray the best for people because we love people. I want the best for you. I don't want you to be dragged down into my misery. I want you to be lifted up and out of the mire, out of the misery. And so I'm going to pray for you. I want you to have the very best. Well, what does that mean? What is the best? The best is this, that we would know God more. It, it, is, it is super simple. See, Paul really leans in on this. Verses 9 through 14, I only read 9 through 12, but really 9 through 14 in the original language is one long sentence. Paul is just like writing, 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 like no periods, no, you know, we didn't have semicolons. He's just like, this is one thought. It's, you know, a grammar teacher's like nightmare, but it is Paul just going in. And as they've been starting to wander in their thinking, right, I told you that bad teachers have come in and they've started kind of missing out on truth. They don't really know who Christ is. They're forgetting. It's just like us. We, we kind of don't always know who Christ is or God is, and we start creating God to be a little bit more like us rather than us being created to be a little more like him. And honestly, sometimes it just shows in our prayers. When we pray, what, what, what is typically the content of our prayers in our Western 21st century context? God, keep me safe. Keep me healthy. Make me beautiful. Make me popular. Make me successful. Destroy my enemies. <laughs> Not that there's anything inherent, well, maybe the last one is not good, but nothing that, there's not really anything inherently wrong with, with praying for, for safety, protection, for things. But if this becomes only the content of our prayers, man, and I hear it as a father, as my children are praying, like, God, keep us safe and keep us healthy and protect. And I'm like, yeah, that's great, but man, that is not, that can't be it. We have to grow up. We have to think bigger and deeper about our life, our prayer life, our, our spiritual life. Our prayers need to get a little bit deeper below the surface. And so look at what Paul says he prays. It's a lot, but it all revolves around the bigness of Christ. He says, look, here is what I'm praying. Here, here is what I'm asking for you. He says, he says, that you may be filled. Say filled. That you may be filled, okay? And you're like, filled with what? That you may be filled with what? With safety, with, with beauty, with success, with, with power. No, no, no. He says, you may be filled with what? The knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom with understanding. Look at the content of his prayers. If we just keep that up for a second. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding. He's like, I heard your love for God. I've heard your love for one another. Here's what I have not stopped praying for you. You'd think they're already doing it because they're doing the right things, right? They're already loving each other. They're already loving God. They're fulfilling the two great commands. So, okay, we've settled the basics. Now I'm going to pray that you get favor and blessing. He doesn't go there. He says, I want you to understand who God is more and more and more and more. Because when you understand who God is, everything will change. Everything will change. Knowledge, wisdom. The false teachers were offering new knowledge, new wisdom. But it was fake. It wasn't spiritual wisdom, or at least not the right kind of spiritual wisdom. It wasn't the real spiritual wisdom. 
He is coming in and saying, look, false teaching is going to put you at the center of your prayers. It's going to put you at the center of the universe. This kind of teaching, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, spiritual, is going to put Christ at the center of your prayers. He's going to put Christ at the center of your desires and of your whole universe. And that's what we need. It's what we want. It's the only answer to the, the problems that we all exist in every single day. And we're constantly reaching and grasping and finding other things that are going to fill us up and settle us and, and make us feel secure and qualified. He says, listen, you want all that? Knowledge? Wisdom. See, knowledge is understanding what truth is, and wisdom is taking that truth and applying it to make good decisions, to make wise decisions. It's the ability to figure out the truth and make good decisions based on that truth. That is what we need. It's like if you're, if you're a scientist, right, and you're able to, to put together chemicals to make, to make substances and potions of sorts, and you can take, you can do all of that, that, that knowledge, you can use it, and you can use it to either make medicine that heals and brings life, or you can use that knowledge and you can use it to bring, to, to make poison that, that kills and brings death. Taking that knowledge and using it for good, for God, is wisdom. And we want it to bring life. And that's what we want to pray. That's wisdom. That's what we need to be praying because it's what we all need. And this is what's going to change our lives. It's what's going to transform us. I, I, I want to be transformed. I am too often, day in and day out, finding myself frustrated, discontent, sad, anxious, all of it, right? Sometimes we have to look back into our prayer life and just go, am I praying for the right things? You see, Having this kind of knowledge and wisdom is going to transform the way that we live. He says, he says this, he says, this is what it's going to look like for you. As I'm praying for knowledge, wisdom, understanding, so you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That word walk, it's just a, it's a, it's an image of how our behavior how we live, the decisions we make, right? The steps I'm going to take forward. Am I going to go in the path that leads to life or am I going to step off the wrong direction and go into the place that, that is not going to please the Lord, that is not going to be worthy of God? Look, it's not anything goes. You want to, it's real popular to just say like, I'm going to live my truth, I'm going to, Sometimes your truth isn't good. Sometimes my truth, the truth I create that I'm calling truth is not right. It's not truth based in, in the truth. And we've talked about this before. And so it's, it's not just a thing that we, we want to live in. And God is so gracious and merciful. And we'll get to some of that in a second. But, but, but we just take advantage of it so much at times. And we're like, oh, God will understand. God's going to be okay. Uh, but 
we forget scriptures like this. I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Like, I don't want to walk kind of pleasing to him. I don't want to live in, in a so-so state with God. Listen, we sang about it today. God will never love you more or less. Once he has you, he loves you. He is, he is caring for you. He's securing you. He, he is with you, for you. So I don't want to get it twisted, but there are just realities when we are wanting to live for him in his will, like, like, like we're talking about. <laughs> he cares. He cares how we live. He cares the decisions we make. He cares how we treat one another. He cares how we pray. See, it always starts in the head and the heart, and that leads, leads to behavioral change. And so this is just a foundational principle that, that knowing God's will transforms the way that we walk. Knowing God's will transforms the way we walk. Understand that. Like, and, and understanding God's will is not some mystical thing like, oh, God, do you want me to go this direction or this? you want me to eat Cheerios today or honey bunches of oats, and God, I just don't know your will. What do you want from me? Show me. Make the box move away for the one I shouldn't eat. God, would you shape a cloud in the shape of a Cheerio or an almond? And that way I'll know which one. And then, you know, it's a joke, right? But like we do weird stuff like this sometimes, trying to understand what God wants from us. God's will, this is important for us. God's will isn't about finding the exact steps that we should take. Finding God's will is just knowing him more. It's just knowing him more. It's funny, um, Taylor Hansen is my assistant, and she runs our communications. Where are you, Taylor? There she is. She did our devotional this morning. She did an awesome job. Yes, yes, yes. She, on, online, she did. But Taylor has started working for me now for a little while, and, and more and more I hear her say things like, she asks me a question and I'll answer. She's like, I knew you were going to say that. And I'm like, and she's starting to make decisions. She's starting to, like, do things knowing how I would want them to be done because we're near each other a lot. We're, we're working together a lot, and that's exactly what I'm hoping for. Very Like, she's getting it. She's not... You know, she's trying to figure out my, my will at times, but it's not, it's very rarely do I have this guidebook where I'm like, here is every decision I want to make. Now make sure you do that. No, it's like she's just getting to know me better, and she's like, oh, yeah, Adam doesn't like that. Don't do that. Or Adam wants to do And this is awesome, man, but that's like our relationship with God. We want to find out his will, and he's like, just know me. Just be near me, man. Just come to me, and you will understand how to live better. You'll understand the decisions to make. You'll understand what it means to, to, to walk in a manner worthy. So look, rather than keep asking God to write it in the clouds, if you're trying to figure out what college to go to, you're trying to figure out who to marry, you're trying to figure out what job to take. You're trying to figure out what relationship to be in. You're trying to figure out whatever it is. Yes, fine. You want to pray, God, show me? Fine. But maybe less of that and just saying, God, just tell me who you are. Show me yourself. Show me your face. Let me understand you more so that I, it's not a mystical thing to, to walk in the steps that God wants us to walk. He's, just, he's like, if you know me, you're going to do it. 
that's what we pray for one another. So as, as we're praying for one another and we love each other and we're like, I'm, I've not stopped ceasing to pray for you. I'm going to pray that you would know God more, right? We want to do the right things at this church. We want to make decisions about where to go, what to do. You, we want to pray for one another. We're going to pray that, God, you would fill us with your knowledge of your will, that you would, that you would give us wisdom and understanding so that we can walk to please God. Do you know all of our walking pleases something? All of our walking is to please someone. All of our living is to please someone. All of it. The decisions we make are all to please someone. It might be our friends, our boss, someone we want to date or marry, or just ourselves. We're just making decisions <laughs> to please someone. God says, I want you to walk in a way that pleases me. The way you're going to do that is to know me. And so this is how we pray. We want to pray that our minds and our hearts would know and understand God more. We want to pray that wisdom will drastically impact the way that we live. And that we please him with our lives. Ask yourself the question, when you are living, praying, doing the things, walking, like, am, do I even care if I'm pleasing God? Do I even care? Are you making decisions right now? Are you living in a situation in your life where you know it displeases the Lord and you're just saying, I don't care? word needs to, needs to be heard for you, for me. We want to care. We need to care about how we live, how we, how we think, how we pray. And if the answer is, no, I don't care what God thinks, then that, that needs to be the first focus of your prayer life. God, help me care about what you think. Help me care about the way that I'm living. I want to live as though you exist and that you, I know how much you love me and so I want to, I want to live for you. I want, to, I want to walk in a way that you want me to walk and I want to pray in the way you want me to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. This, he says, look, this is what it looks like to walk in a manner pleasing. It's, it's very simple. He says, bearing fruit. In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, bearing fruit. Do you know God more now than you did yesterday? And that is a question we have to ask ourselves all the time. Do I know God? Look, I know sometimes it's going to be like, you know, dips and, you know, we're going to do a little better here and then we're going down and we go. But look, is that trajectory still going in the forward position? If God has saved you, if he has, if he has, uh, has done a work in your life, then your Trajectory is going up. That's the promise we have. But this is right from this text. He says, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord is bearing fruit. Look, if, 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 if you're walking around living life and there's not fruit popping out of you, we have to evaluate our lives. And that's the stuff that we want to pray for one another. Like we want to be so fired up to, for others to be bearing fruit, for others to be walking in a manner pleasing of the Lord. And 
want to get excited about that, that, that this, is a, this is a monster area where we can be praying for each other. And so how do you find that, that passion in prayer? How can you do that? How can you get better at it, right? How can you cultivate that love and passion in you more and more and more? I'm going to give you three things to think about as we, as we round out here. First one is this, love patiently, <laughs> okay? Both really hard words, right? Like love, super hard, and patience, we all don't like that word. But love patiently, right? Look at what he says. He says, in, he says being strengthened, this is part of the, what it looks like to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He says, being strengthened with all power, according to the glorious might for all endurance and patience. All endurance and patience. This is part of life. If you're just going from place to place, hoping that life is just going to be easy, where endurance isn't needed and patience isn't needed, then you're, you're missing it. Growth comes from endurance and patience. So this is going to take a special kind of love, love that is patient, endurance, and patience. N.T. Wright is a great thinker, writer. He says, endurance is what faith, hope, and love bring to an apparently impossible situation. Patience, what they show to an apparently impossible person. Right? Endurance is, is bringing hope to an impossible situation. Patience is bringing Hope, faith, joy to an impossible person. Like, if you want to get excited about praying for people, you're going to have to just settle it. People have to be part of your life and love them. Love them and be patient with them. They're going to make you mad. They're going to drive you crazy. They are going to smell bad at times. They're going to sound bad. They're going to be the, they're going to be the worst at times. It's okay. Life is not about just keeping the worst away. It's about seeing the worst as a gift from God that we can pray for and love and be part. Because guess what? You're the worst too sometimes. I'm the worst sometimes. Like That's just the beauty of it. We, we're so focused in on how sometimes frustrating others are, and we're just like, when they do it, it's like, oh, you're being inconsiderate. When we do it, it's like, well, I'm just late, you know, or I'm, I'm busy, I'm distracted. We have to love patiently. And if you're like, look, it's just too much, it's too hard, I can't do it, he, he says it right here. He says, be strengthened, right? All in, with endurance and patience. He says this, according to his glorious might. That's the Lord's glorious might. You have the ultimate power source, the ultimate battery for you to, to be able to do what God has called you to do. So love patiently. Second one is live thankfully. Live thankfully, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Look, this is what he says. Like, give thanks in all things. It, just like we sang before, I will be content in every circumstance. I'm going to give thanks. This is a huge piece in how we can live to please God. If you want to grow in prayer life, you need to live thankfully because there is real good news here. It shows us that what we have received is nothing that we've earned. It is what God has given. It's a gift, man. And when we get gifts, we get excited and we get thankful. Are you thankful? Or are you just always focused on what's going wrong? Find thanks and gratitude in your life. He has done what we could not do for ourselves. He has changed us. He has saved us. He has, what does it say? Qualified us. Some of you need to hear this right now. You are qualified. You have been qualified. Stop 
striving. Stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to, to always live in this box in prison of what other people think of you. You are qualified because of who God is and how much he loves you. Find rest in that. Find hope in that. Find joy in that and be thankful and live like you have been given that gift. And finally, the last one, listen spiritually. So we're going to love patiently, live thankfully, and listen spiritually. Okay, this is, this is a big deal. He says, from the day that we've heard, Paul is paying attention to what's going on in the people. I've heard that you love people. I'm, I'm, I'm listening for what God is doing. You are to listen to what God is doing. Listen around. That means paying attention. Have your spiritual eyes open, your spiritual ears open. Don't just think you're the only one with problems and you know I'm the only one that needs help. No, we're all in the same boat. We need God to, to intervene into our lives. Look and listen to what's going on. Listen for the Holy Spirit. He speaks. He speaks. You want to grow in knowledge? You want to grow in strength? You want to bear fruit? Then sometimes you just need to be quiet and listen, and it will help you to pray for others like you've never prayed before, and you will be strengthened. You will grow. You will be changed forever. Amen? Let's stand together, church. Look, imagine how our lives would change if we could have this kind of passion for prayer, if we could be so excited to pray for one another, if we could find just the, the mind of God to love and to, to care for one another in this way, our world would be a different place. Stop looking out there for them to do it. Let's us do it and start here. And we can change the world. I believe that because God has given us his power, his might, and his vision for this world. And if you do not know Jesus, if you have not put your faith and hope in Christ for the salvation of your soul, then today is the day. Do not wait. Do not hold back. Do not wait to get your life together. It is a gift that he gives. He just says, come to me and I will save you. I will forgive you of your sins. I will change your life. Come to Christ call out to him, say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. I am a sinner. Please save me. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. And he is faithful to do it. God, we need you. Change our, our perspective of the world around us, of one another. Help us to pray loudly for each other, to love deeply, to listen spiritually, to live thankfully, to love patiently, to do these things so that you would have glory and we would find joy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's sing.